0: All right, we're live. What's up, guys? John Centez, Cass Critelow, Cutter Nation, Podcast 91. Anytime we're in the 90s, everybody's excited, especially us old guys here. Um, But first, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It helps us tremendously. It's been growing. The YouTube channel's been growing, if you're watching this on YouTube. Vic's got a beautiful sky behind him. I'm super jealous of that awesome view over there in Amarillo, Texas. Um, But don't forget, we had hats, shirts, Uh, We're open, which is exciting. You can sign up for training, even though we sold out this week, but we will be adjusting that from there, too. So um, just a little patience with us as we try to figure out these uh, weird times on exactly how we should be handling the situation. But without further ado, Major Leaguer himself, Vic Black. How you doing, buddy? All the way from very there. well, your page is amazing. Um, Cass and I talk about it all the time. You put out some really good content, so I appreciate it. I wanted to introduce you to our audience as well as the, as the rest of the baseball audience, because you put out some quality stuff. So thanks for taking a little time out of your day.
1: No, this was an honor in itself. So when Cass had reached out, I was like, yeah, if you just tell me when I'll, I'll figure out a way to get that cleared. So no, I appreciate it, John. Um super excited just to talk baseball.
2: And for clarification, he's actually on the set of Toy Story. That is where Vic is at right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, Those got, clouds yeah. have not moved. Yeah, right. Know, talking before this. Are you, are you
0: green screened in
2: right there? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. This is the perfect green screen. Oh, All right. Sure. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are, Vic. Get the audience up to speed. Oh, man.
1: I, uh. I I love throwing. So to start off, I'm not sure I ever really loved baseball per se, but to throw that little Y thing was the greatest joy in my life. And so that's where it kind of started. I I got into baseball uh, because my two buddies were playing and I wanted to hang out with them and I could throw that little thing pretty hard. So just started goofing around at 13, 12, 13, uh, became a catcher and got converted out of that slowly because I couldn't seem to hit anything other than a fastball, and as you get older, you guys know everything looks like a fastball. Um, so I had that bit of a struggle, but got a chance to play at Dallas Baptist University for three years. Um, really a program at the time; it's bigger now, but at the time, a lot of us were fresh into it. The program was trying to grow, so they were reliant on us. It wasn't like another major D1 where, as a freshman, if you go out and struggle on the weekend, like you're out, like we got more guys to come in right after I kept getting put out there one after another, like 130 pitches in five innings. Not great. Wouldn't do it, but I was doing it and having to find a way to work through my own innings. So that built, that built some at least mental resilience for further down the road for what I ended up really becoming in pro ball. Um, Pirates took me uh, in 2009 and had two years where I was hurt kind of right off the bat. Uh, And then had a simple cue and went from 88 to 98 again in a matter of three days, which is where I think so much of what you guys do as well as the movement and timing of the sequence matters so much. You can unlock things so quick with that. Um, so then had four years straight where I was healthy, uh, ran into some neck problems like we were talking about before, Have a herniated disc between C6 and seven. Um, and that caused a little bit of an issue and fought my way really to get back to an indie league where I could enjoy playing one more year, um, which I never thought I would do. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. I played up in the Can-Am league with the New Jersey Jackals and it was a 2018, uh, switched back to starting I hadn't done in 12 years. And it was just like, this is, this is a blast. And I remember my last start, I don't know, where were we? We were tri-city, uh, three, three rivers, three rivers in Canada. And I, go out. I give up, I think, five runs in the first inning. I'm like, this has never happened ever. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I came to the do I was like, screw this. Like, This may be the last time I ever throw, and that's the only time I've ever said that to myself. And Ended up going eight, no more runs. Ended up losing five-four. We couldn't quite get back. I remember going into the clubhouse after the game and sitting in my locker. A few tears were shed, but I thought, you know, Lord, if, if this was the last time I got to do this, thank you. Um, and that was kind of the turning point, ran into some folks that showed me a different way of throwing because I had known only one thing was how I threw and I had to manage it. There was no way to fix it. There was no way to make it more efficient. We had to do everything else to kind of increase the health. So, uh, that's kind of the backstory. And now I'm with the pirates doing player development and also running my own business and, uh, super excited, man, just to be a part of the way I think baseball is going.
2: How long have you been with the Pirates?
1: This is my first year. I went down in the fall last year just to hang out for a couple days and kind of pitched an idea of, like, hey, I I think there could be a use for some backside arm action, like, development coupled out of rehab with a lot of guys because, to me, with non-contact sport, most of these injuries are movement-based because – so there's some there's something that can be addressed going back. And so kind of pitch that. And then also bullpen guys, man, most organizations don't have bullpen pitching coaches until you get to maybe AAA. And so guys are learning how to be bullpen relievers, get ready, different situations. And we need to be doing that at a younger age. So I kind of pitched that to them and been here for four months and Charrington got hired. And then I got a call in uh, the end of January and left February
0: 11th. So crazy yeah <laughs> whirlwind <laughs> yeah for sure um i always try to find truth and there's there's some some very valuable information in some of the arm issues that guys have had so your c67 what were some of the symptoms that that when you felt that how did that prolong into And because i think that you know some of the telltale signs you know i broke my elbow pitching basically Was weird. uh, Switched from a long arm action to this super short swing up, get it tied up to the ear thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was basically getting in front and then pushing it, but was still like able to to 88, 90. And then, you know, my manager in college told me that that's what I needed to be doing. He told me that the scout said my arm action was too long on the backside. And basically I got swindled. But that being said, yeah. you know, one of the things that I noticed, and even to this day, because I had ulnar nerve transposition, is my thumb does not work the same as my left thumb. Like, it's just, uh, it's, it's slower, I guess you could say. Sometimes it gets weaker. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things from the beginning is I, I noticed a burning sensation in my tricep. That's kind of where it started. And I remember saying things to my trainer in college. Of course, they put ice and stem on it. It did nothing. Um <laughs> so that being said you know do you remember any of the symptoms that you had and and maybe you could talk about that experience right because like i said there's some probably somebody out here that may be you know experiencing something similar and at least if they they can get the the words or the information better they can find something that may ease their brain
1: yeah i i first did it uh it was actually i hadn't lifted a whole lot in college i left college i think i was like 178 180 so I put on 12 pounds in college in three years. I just, I wanted to long toss and throw as far as I could every single day because I thought that was what I needed every day. Um, but I was bench pressing with uh, Chris Perez. We were working out of a facility before my first spring training. And I tried to do a ton of weight and scatter or traps pulled up to try to push it. And I felt this like click. I was like, holy crap, that hurt. So my neck got really stiff and I thought I'd just like like a typical crick in the neck, I didn't know that I had actually done some structural damage. Um, so I went on the full next year, and it flamed up on me once. Um, but I just thought it was maybe I slept bad, whatever it may be. Didn't have a ton of problem with it initially, um, but when it started to come back more frequently, I noticed that I did lose weakness in my right arm. Like, as far as like if I were to hold like static two pound like dumbbells out like just doing shoulder exercise like the right one was toasted within three three reps um and not like a fatigue toast it was just like holy cow like why can't i not hold this thing up um and so the mets began doing some like rehab stuff with like the chin placement and making sure some of that was structurally sound uh of course most of the time they try to take the medical route or the medication route first so i got a epidural of cortisone in my my neck and that's always good um but it helped a little for a time being um
0: that's always good but
1: now it's starting to actually radiate yeah it's now starting to radiate some to the left side so my right arm is back to like full strength i'm just fine like i can keep up but i notice my left arm now it has a hard time like maintaining the same type of intensity through a workout or through an exercise that i'm trying to do like I can feel it. It just feels unstable way more than it used to. And I'm doing the same kind of stuff. So, um, I wake up, it's stiff, but yeah, the weakness thing is huge. I mean, cause most, like I was in pretty good shape at that point. I should be able to hold like a two pound dumbbell up for 10 seconds. And I just couldn't seem to do it and translating into my throwing. I mean, that causes so many other problems. So. Yeah, those are those are kind of the, the tell signs that I remember um, and then still encounter often today.
0: That's that's interesting. I haven't. And it wasn't that, major. Yeah, I haven't heard that word. Go ahead. Uh, weakness. You know, like um, in the arm. Mm-hmm. And I, I know what you're saying. You know, it feels heavy. It feels weak. It doesn't. It's not working the way it's supposed to. You know, um, and that's yeah. important for for any pitcher to understand that. Like, you know, I, the more we talk to you know high level guys or or anybody really it seems like everybody's run into an arm issue somewhere, somewhere. Right. And, and yep. the, the variation of what is happening with, with those arm issues is just so intriguing to me because a lot of it has to do with, like you're saying that C6 area um, and even down into the, you know, the thoracic area where the nerves connect into the spine. And I think it's just tremendous for a lot of our kids. We do a ton of nerve flossing and, Next stuff with kids awesome. and, and trap yeah. release, um, because just to your point too about health, like you know, especially with me breaking my arm and cast, you know, tearing his rotator cuff and his UCL is, is you know, we ask each, each kid three questions after they throw so they can self evaluate um, early, which is how did it feel, where did it go, and was it fast relative to how hard you tried to throw it, and so the sooner we can get these kids to understand that that's yes, 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 all you have to do is the same thing again, and you in theory, you should be fine. Right. As long as you're paying attention to what you're doing. So, you know, it definitely sounds like you've, you've been through the weirdness of, of throwing also and, and, and lack of education. You and I are actually a little bit similar in age. You're you're 32 um, and I'm 34. So like, it sounds like our progression of baseball is probably similar to the information Mm -hmm. that we were getting. You know, um, when I got hurt, I, I, there was no YouTube slow motion video or any, you know, Instagram wasn't, I think Instagram just started when, when I started, uh, you know, but everything was really on Facebook and YouTube and, and there just wasn't a lot of information out there. Everything was photos, you know um, which knowing what we know now, like photo mechanics aren't a real thing because you can fake it and put it in different direct, you know, different things. So I remember having the Leo Mazzoni book with my dad and like looking at stuff and Trying to figure it out, you know. So, um, yeah. As far as the progression back um, and to do that, how long did it take mm-hmm. you to to really feel like from that moment on the bench um, to where you felt comfortable again, to whatever a hundred percent would to be your brain? How long do you think that took?
1: Oh man, um, you're speaking about kind of end in 2018. That, yeah, maybe. Yeah, because we're just post injury.
0: That, to- that total time frame, I think, is important because I think everybody wants to know how yeah. long it takes to recover. But to me, that doesn't. It's not. It's like a. You know, it's like your physical therapist tell you it's six. It's six weeks, right? And it's like no. Yes. It's six weeks to your standard to sit in front of a computer like an American. That's yeah. Not baseball going back player. to typing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I, well, I think like for my broken arm. So when I threw on the mound, it took me a good two years. From like, okay, I'm cleared to throw to where I was like confident, you know, and, and close to mm-hmm. 90 miles an hour. How long do you think it took you?
1: Oh, man. It took almost a year and a half. Um, and six months out of that was actually last year in 2019 where I met the guys out at PFA. I, I got to know Dave because of Joe Kelly was a teammate of mine in college summer ball. And I noticed that he had done something drastically different. So as far as the neck thing went, it had tamed down. Mm -hmm. But I had developed all these really bad habits that I, at 29, actually, I had no proprioception of where things were in space either. Like, I broke my hands, and I was like, yeah, that felt like I was keeping it tight, like we were talking earlier. And, you know, you go look at it, and the ball's turning up back here and kind of catapulting forward. And so there were some guards that I'd set up through the injury. So it took... Yeah, about a year and a half and then 22 straight weeks of repatterning the way my arm went um, and then fixing some lower body stuff. And then I guess this last spring, I I faced some of the JUCO guys back home where my wife coaches volleyball uh, and was 93, 95. I don't think I'd been on a mound in four months. They just needed an inning and is like, man, what they have taught me. This is what works like. I, I just I have a hard time being convinced any other way my arm feels great, my body was shot. Like it, you don't, don't do that. Don't wait that long. Um, but it was neat to go out and kind of test it and be like, wow, that, that really worked like, holy cow. And so um, yeah, about a year and a half to get to where I was comfortable, like letting it go, knowing it was gonna be okay. The body moved well, It's it's tough. And as you guys probably know, the longer you wait, it typically becomes a little tougher because you've done so many of the other patterns for so long. Um, I mean, I jumped towards home essentially, like I didn't stay my glute, but like 10th of a second, it was like, get to my toe lunge towards home and try to hit the brakes as hard as I can. Um, that doesn't work very long. (laughs) So, but yeah, about a year and a half.
0: Yeah. I I remember seeing these throw by the way too. And then looking at these photos and stuff, I see some, I'm sure you if you were to look some photos of you throwing back when you were at the Mets, you'd be like, oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I wouldn't teach it <laughs> for sure. You you actually have like the perfect what we call X, um, which is something we try to have people stay away from with you know both arms getting up to that yeah. right there. Is that something that you noticed, you know, in the change? You said that, you know, you were taught some stuff. I don't want you to give away any secrets, but, you know, the X is, is a is a timing issue that we see with kids where something's not moving. Mm-hmm correctly in time um it, have you are you familiar with that at all or or i
1: i've never heard of it put that way but i knew um the further it got in it just more and more i was like this just can't be right like there, there's something here that's not working correctly because now what i know like that insane gloves side energy that i would swing out took my front leg with it and then the ball typically, like y'all talk about, the hands breaking at the same time, at the same pace. And so, like, man, the glove would go here and the hand would go here. And it's like, well, here we go. I look like a flying starfish. I'm not, I'm not sure uh, how this is all going to work, which is why, like, the healthy years was basically I had two in college, missed one, one in pro ball, missed two, three healthy, missed two. And it was like <laughs> – like there's something up here. Uh, but it was what I was taught growing up, you know, and I, I caught. And so I didn't have a lot of instruction, but you go to those little high school camps with the middle schoolers and they teach you the like T or the goalpost or like point the ball, the second. Bit. Yeah. Like that's all I knew. And it's still being taught, which is tough because I go back to a little town and there's not a lot of information. So, you know, I, I fortunately and unfortunately had a, quick client base grow back there because of arm struggles at other places because of kind of those teaching methods. And so um, that's another deal deep to my heart is to impact the panhandle where I'm from, because, you know, if you don't have information, you're just going to continue to cycle the same stuff over and over. And hey, we produced like two out of 20 guys. Like that's a pretty good rate. Like, no, that's a terrible rate. That's, that's awful. That is not good. Um, yeah, so I knew something was wrong. The biggest thing for me, changing it, listening to you saying like how you try to keep the ball close to the body. Um, that's one reminder I give a lot of my guys when we're going is just take it with you. And now, however, that resonates because we know cues are interpreted differently per kid because they're all unique in the way they think and the way they, they pull in information. And so give that. And if I notice it doesn't quite accomplish it, then I usually go to like a constraint type approach where I'll just restrict their movement in a way so that they understand like, Hey, this is the minimal amount we're trying to get that you're going to be ready. And then from there, they can start to kind of add their own flair to it, knowing they have to get back into these windows of movement on time. Um, but that was the big thing. was like, man, just take the ball with you. It was like, take the ball with me. Why would I do that? I create so much energy shooting that thing way back here. Like it takes every muscle in my body to pull it through. Like that's gotta be
2: the strongest way. Isn't that funny? I've always talked about like, it, it, I think that's what's so um, it's so obvious is when, when I would throw I, that, that tension that I would feel, I was like, that's throwing like you're supposed to feel like that's, that's power. And I think that's a real thing. You know, I think a lot of us feel like the more work we're doing the, the better it is. Um, the other place mm-hmm. I see it is on the back leg. You know, people like <clears throat> not knowing how that should function and just like sitting really hard and like, where'd you go? You didn't go anywhere. Why, why are you sitting so hard? You know what I mean? That's Down. not very productive. It feels like you're doing a lot of work because you are, mm-hmm. you know, but you you yeah. really have to redefine that um so we're we're however long in and you're the arm doc so tell us a little bit more about <laughs> that and before you were with the pirates and, and yeah get into that a little bit
1: um it was it was more of the irony in it that it took me going to someone that had no certification no doctor's background to show me that like i could throw differently and healthy um because like i said we've been through And I tried driveline for a couple months. I tried Florida baseball ranch. I've done Texas baseball ranch. I got a chance to work with Wes Johnson while he was at DBU where I played college. Um, And the guy's brilliant. Like he is a smart cat, but, but I, yeah, but I tried to do like, everything seemed to me to be lower half based. And that's really still being taught. Um, Even within our organization, we're starting to move to introduce other things because in a perfect world, the lower half is where you start ground up. But if the arm mechanics don't work clean and they're not on time with the rest of the body, then you're putting an insane amount of stress on an underdeveloped skill. And so you're just playing with fire in that range. So we try to take the skill and bring them the performance up to it. So we're never having that eclipsing problem. But yeah, the arm doc and I was sitting there and my wife is like, But you're not an actual doctor and I go, Yeah, that's the funny part. <laughs> like that's the that's the funny part. Like it took someone that wasn't to show me like, Hey, you can do this differently, more effectively and healthy. And it took him like 30 minutes to introduce it to me. And I know you guys walk through this with kids all the time. They come in and are like, yeah, I can feel my heartbeat in my shoulder after 10 throws. I'm like, well, that that's not good. Like <laughs>
0: it's
1: supposed to feel it like right around here, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's just really neat to see that, um, that hope kind of being restored back into somebody's eyes. Cause I've seen it. I know you guys have seen, it. I've experienced it too as well. And so it's like that man, that to me has so much more value than what I ever remember enjoying striking a guy out on TV. It was just like, that was great. But watching that 12 year old come in, not wanting to play catch because his shoulders throbbing and his dad consequently without knowledge or coach tells him, Hey, you're just like building up. Like you're just not strong enough yet. It's like no, he, he's just not moving right. Like it's bad, and we can yeah. clean it up. And now he leaves smiling. It's just like yeah, yeah. that's what I want to do.
2: I think I want to. I want to practice. Uh, I want to do the same conversation we had on our debate the other day and see where it goes because I think you'll. This will be good. So we were on this expert summit debate, and um, we debated Dustin Peas of Location Nation, and it's just like. In all honesty, we we didn't prepare to debate. Like we prepared to like educate and talk about things. Like that's what we do. And so like yeah. I don't really care that I'm not good at winning a debate. So anyway, though, <laughs> I, I would like to get into it because we're talking movement, movement, movement. And um, Virgil Vasquez was on here the other day. He's with the twins. Um, he was talking same thing. He's like we're top down. Well, there you go, Wes Johnson. You know, so, um, you know, it's just, I don't know that that's the direct correlation, but regardless, like this, this is becoming more popular, um, because it makes sense, right? You need, you, if you can't accept that force, it doesn't matter how much you create, you know, and right. So, so anyway, um, this is, I'm, I'm going to kind of give my two cents on the command thing and try to do it a little bit better, just for whatever it's worth. So I think the, the argument is which one comes first, which one's more important, like which one do you prioritize? And I think you have to prioritize velocity all, all day long because command is a byproduct of that. Like I can't imagine um, somebody trying to throw it hard without assuming the end result like is part of the, the end thing. It's like human. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I think John and I have talked about this and he likes when I get all primal and I, but, but that's the thing is like, this is, this is literally what it is. And there's, I know like John will get triggered if somebody says like throwing is unhealthy because it's like, it doesn't have to be like throwing does not have to be an unhealthy thing. And it's also, you know, the first thing Vic says when he gets on the show is like, I absolutely love to throw. How does that even a thing So there's something innately human about picking a target and making your entire body literally just chuck your body at that thing. And all of a sudden this little BB comes out and maybe you hit it, maybe you don't, but like to not hit a target, it's, it's not even a thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's always part of the equation. You can't take that away. Um, So, you know, and then you, it just seems like there, I'm sure you felt this as well. You've thrown the ball with basically your eyes closed and you know where it's going. And for the record, when I have kids come in with the yips, that's what I have them do. And I have Jeez. them do shuffle fires with their eyes closed and they are closer. It's crazy, right? Hey, yeah. stare at it. Close your eyes. Stare at it close your eyes, shuffle, fire, throw. And they're, it's unbelievable. Like they're so in their head about the yips that they can't even mm-hmm. appreciate how, how unbelievably miraculous that shit is. Sorry. but <laughs> right. No, absolutely. You're right. So I don't, I don't know how you, okay. So then you take the other side and it's like, if you take command, how does command breed velocity in the same way that command will be bred out of velocity. Does that make sense? So that's where my, my head's at. Yeah. Right. And then um, we didn't even get into movement, and then we'll talk about movement. <laughs> no, you're good. I, I honestly
1: believe, like, when the, the addressing of the things to me in order typically are health, velocity, and command, and they're all a byproduct of the thing that comes before it. So typically, if we're not healthy... We're not going to throw yes. hard, and if we do, it won't be for long. So yes. if we're healthy, moving well, then we're going to get velocity because we're actually maximizing the performance training we're doing off the field within our mechanics and our delivery and our timing's good, so the output is going to be better. And right. then, to me, when you're on time, the hand is getting to a similar release point, which allows you to command the ball within the zone better as opposed sure. to, like, just scatter shot hand. And we know talking to Randy, like, and hearing him talk a long time he goes. You can't release the ball in the exact same spot every single time I go, yes but you can get dang close and that's what we're hoping for um but, and and so yeah. Yeah, yeah go ahead
2: i i i think it's a very um obvious feeling so i think elbow extension mm-hmm. um healthy elbow extension everybody knows what that is so like that's why the cue get on top like we all actually have a very good understanding of what a good you know, arm action looks like into release. Not necessarily what happens behind, but we know when a guy knows how to get his arm extended, right? And so those guys are going to innately have better command because the ball's still in their hand when their arm goes into extension, right? And so guys that get that, or they have the ball and then they even, so the longer you have the ball in your hand past extension, the more likely it is that you're gonna have good command because you can feel like you can anticipate that feeling and then release simultaneously. Right, so it's the guys that their arm action is behind. Right, it's dragging or whatever. <laughs> so then they're still a little bit supinated. they the ball's going to be all over the place because their arm hasn't got to extension yet. So they don't have something to feel in time. Right, yeah. and so to me, um, I don't. I, I haven't really had like a platform or like. But that that's. I don't even know if I'm asking anymore. That's clear. Everybody knows what that feels like, and I can yeah. and I can tell somebody to like to throw their hand i like i like that idea of just like don't throw anything throw your hand as hard as you can and you'll do Mm -hmm. whatever it is to be healthy as long as you can trust yourself to be relaxed so yeah i don't know
1: i mean i I like that order more i i think chasing command you can actually start to develop bad movements to try to guide the ball i mean you've seen the guy that like like dart throws it like oh well he throws a ton of strikes yeah well the tip of his elbow is going to crack in about four years when he keeps extending and slamming that thing yeah harder and harder and harder like it just it's gonna happen and i, and, so, and yeah, I think I, it's
2: well it, to be fair i think the only way to look at this is like if dustin was in this conversation right now the location guy right like he's also <laughs> taking his kids doing long toss like he's also educating them getting them stronger like so it's it's like yeah. when you're at the point where you're doing your you are doing a good job right when you're actually training people like we we have Dustin on the podcast like in next week because it was like dude I I don't even know I don't know how to debate you because I want to like hang out and and talk more yeah. about how we're going to get kids better you know and yeah. and I think honestly that's partly why I didn't want to say things like Cause, cause if I want to, if I want to actually win that argument, I'm going to say, well, you must not understand movement then, because if you think that you can throw the ball with whatever movement happens to create that end result, like you don't understand movement. And now I'm yeah. like, it, it, it's a little too aggressive, but like, that's how I feel about it. Right. And yeah. uh, okay. So I'm going to dive into the back foot. And then, cause we, you were talking about the upper half and the hands, or we talk about the hands top down concepts, yada, yada, yada. And then, freaking pitching nerd has me on the back foot. Um, so, before I go into anything, you're smiling. Like, you got some ideas yeah, on the back foot? I've
1: just started following him a couple weeks ago. No, I just, oh, yeah. It cracks me up when I hear that name. I think about the, the glasses where he's got the
0: little skull and crossbones in the middle. <laughs> did, you of you see him wear, <laughs> did you see him wear it on our podcast? I was like, oh, Rick Vaughn's
2: here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a hoop, man. Yeah, yeah. It's um, hilarious. And he does no. not care at all. Like, he's just on a no. mission. Yeah.
1: Now, as far as the back foot goes, I, I don't have, that's been a newer thing. And with that mechanics professor, biomechanics guy back in the home talking about eversion and inversion and the strength that we need because dorsiflexion is always measured. But the only reason we need extreme dorsiflexion, in my opinion, is if we plan on going to our toes and shooting our knee towards their base. And so I, I don't understand the measurement of dorsiflexion more than we need to know the stability and strength within eversion and inversion. Because that, in my understanding, supports then everything up yeah, to be able first, to hold right? and sustain. Yeah. And so that's been a new thing to me. So I don't speak too like, confidently in it just because it's, it's a new territory. I'd love to hear your thought on it, though.
2: Um, okay. So it. Uh, um, so we actually – because you were a top velocity guy too, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So we were. that's kind of where we um, kicked off a little bit. And you were still – saying that like triple extension is something that is in your verbiage or at least like the ideas are, and, and I have really like come full circle on this because, um, I, I understand how I want it to define. And I'm like, I'm happy to, to say triple extension and like, whatever, I, I know what I'm looking yeah. for. And, mm-hmm. um, so th- looking just like him talking about the foot just made everything that I've ever known make sense. Like it, it, made everything not i okay so it went this is the two this is the chain of events no no pun intended so i went kitsman made me like just okay it's the foot cast it's the foot and it was after the podcast and it was more thinking about it and I'm like you know what i just need to keep talking to this guy so i i think i've scheduled like three or 3 15 minute phone calls over the last 6 weeks or something to just pick his brain and be like give in i'm like dude i'm sorry like but i don't know anything just tell me teach me um yeah. And then it was combined with the open-closed concept. Um, Have you heard me talking about that? No, not not, nothing off the top of my head. So um, this is a little bit of semantics. And and I'm a communication major. Like, I really like words. And I think it's really important that we care about the way that we say things. So anyway, um, we always talk about – and when I say we, me, and – most of the pitching world talks about the hips being closed and then opening, right? That's what hip and shoulder separation is. So driving hip rotation is a closed to open thing, but it's actually not what the hips are doing. That's what the pelvis is doing, right? So the hip joints are actually open. Um, so I have a close friend of mine, Jason yulee is a softball guy um, and he had a swimming background and he's not, he's not classically trained by any means, like no CSCS, nothing like that. And he's just like, when I swam, I felt my shoulder joints open and close. And that's exactly what I feel like in softball. And so that's how I teach what the shoulders should be doing. And then I teach like how to create a good drive leg. I mean, he doesn't say it exactly like that, but that's what he does. He creates a really good drive leg. And then girls that know how to time their shoulder joint. Um, And so I kind of grappled with that for the last year. But when, when Kitsman started talking about the foot needing to have like little bit of eversion without losing three points of contact and a little bit of supination without losing it and that will cause the chain reaction that you want up top you do have to know how to stack the upper half which is something that we haven't really gotten into, but blah 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 mm-hmm. oh and then i so this is literally a call so i'm putting these pieces together and i called him i actually facetimed him and i go i just started going okay so this is my idea i think the hip joints need to be open the whole entire stride and then the act of trying to keep them open will close them at the end of the stride. And he just, just starts grinning. And I didn't have to like I'm I'm like, Okay, can I go now? Like because he's so, like, Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, I've heard you talk about this now. Okay, I was just I didn't know exactly what you meant by that. But yeah, I've I've seen you do some of that stuff.
2: Yeah. And so now I'm seeing how he's priming it. So if you see his kids, so if you watch coach Pilla is his, his kid, um, Gabe Pilla, it's like a 21 year old at NDSU, North, North Dakota state. And you'll see him, they like, they serve their feet wide. Where's my camera Start with their feet wide. And they bring the front foot, front foot, front foot, front foot. And what they're doing, I think I actually haven't even clarified. I just assumed, cause I was trying to figure out how to do the same thing. They're, they're pressing their feet apart. They're priming abduction. They're priming where you should be in the foot, and so when you do that, so then when you pick up, you're you're already ready to do this, and this goes right in line with what I know. Um, yes. Like I'm a big Doug Latta fan.
0: You use the word charge, and I really like that. The charge, like instead of priming, like I think about charge like charge charging up the back leg to release the energy. That's yeah. When when he says it like that, that makes a lot more sense than
2: priming. And the and the last thing is like the only issue I'm having with it is. I am unbelievably sore because I've been (laughs) demonstrating it all of the time. And it just shows you like, if I haven't been conditioned in that for as much baseball as I've played, that means most people haven't been conditioned in that move. And that's the move. That's what's so scary. Right. And so, (laughs) and of course that has command implications, Right. Of yeah. course it does. And if everybody's trying to do hip and shoulder separation, like Dak Prescott in the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. right? Like That went viral. Yeah. <laughs> right. But right. And now that it's in the common language, you talk about like the scary things that you see at the little league. I, I didn't mean to go on a rant. I really want to like no, no, sit no, no, back and hear this, but like that's the, the scary thing too, right? It's like with the technology and with information, just being more readily available to moms and dads, it's great, mm-hmm. but this is the danger of it right? Because now hip and shoulder separation is common language in little leagues. Like that's not what they need to hear. They need to hear like, oh, okay, I'll leave it at this. So I want to, I want to hear your feedback and all that. Yeah, actually I don't want to talk about, I want to tell you what (laughs) the best game for kids is later.
1: Oh man. No, I, so, so much of my learning has been listening to guys like y'all explain a concept that I either did or didn't do and realizing, well, that's, that's why that worked like that makes sense now. So like you talking about this hip opening as they're getting closer and and priming or charging that movement for the leg lift and then the lower half, I do a little deal where I'll have them like prep a dry, dry uh, deadlift. Like if I know the guy's deadlift patterns really good, we'll go ball in the hand glove and we'll like go through a dry deadlift and we'll try to hold that tension in the glutes as they come up out of it. And they don't come all the way up to their normal set. Cause the purpose is for them to feel that, but they've explained that it feels like my feet are like pushing apart. And so like hearing you talk about it, I'm like well, that makes sense why that probably helps a few of these guys that don't know how to get into that position.
2: Um, well, yeah and then so i've seen people talk about spreading the floor apart i've heard that like idea of you know staying out but the key is that the front side has to be open everybody's closing off the front joint and that closes the back joint like it's so hard to not do that right and so people are too internally rotated in the lower half um it should be, it's, it's like an epidemic i don't know what else to say like I, because i was so guilty of it and yeah. then i'm like everybody's doing it i mean well especially right? young
1: 100 percent. and okay i mean personally i like oh go ahead no go um so getting a chance to play with degrom and garrett cole was a roommate and watching uh flaherty and bueller now like
2: yeah, those are all. They very fix some open arm action cleans. stuff,
1: but their but, th- but their lower half. Man, that foot goes straight up, lands, and then they snap into it. Now that you're saying that, I'm visualizing their deliveries and I'm like, holy!
2: All God. of those guys, you couldn't. They're not leading more- with the heel. No. no. So. Oh my gosh! Even sure. though Scherzer says he does, he yeah. does not. Yes. Well, okay, no, okay, but but this is a thing. So so like um so he does it late. So the best will, um, Evert and then they invert at the end. And because Scherzer's so internally rotated, like he does, he's a pigeon toed guy, like a thousand percent. So he has more room to do that where like Verlander can't. So like John and I are way more Verlander pelvis. Right. And so you see what he does. Like, um, I, this dude, I want to, I want to show this because I did this the other, the other day in gym and I'm like, this is perfect.
0: I think he had a phone call.
2: Um, Can you hear us? Vic? Okay, well, this is okay, because I'm going to nail this. I'm sorry. Thing. Yeah, someone uh, just called me. Yeah. yeah. Can, you, so can you
0: hear us okay, Vic?
1: Yeah, he swings open, and you would – Yep, you can hear me too, Vic?
2: Yes, sir. Sometimes when you get okay. a phone call,
0: it, it you can't yes, hear right, us. Yeah, it kills
2: word, so. it. So great, great news. Okay, so this is what he does. He does this, like, up into here and then at a 45, right? That's all he does, and that's just, like, where his hips yeah. are. So he walks around, and he just makes his body go that way and kicks it in the direction that his hip just goes that's all he does and bueller does a very similar thing yeah so anyway like i i i i don't disagree with the the scherzer point but it's i i just had to point out that he's so much more this would be a greg yeah. rose comment right we can't have you know same same solutions for people with different hips and yada 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 it's like yeah but we're human and it's pretty damn yeah. close. So let's talk about this generally. And that, that's where the open and close thing and, and the, the back foot has just like opened everything up. And But to, to everybody's credit, to your guys' yeah. credit, this is upper half stuff. So John is giving me people who already know upper half patterns and I can just be like, okay, now, well, my bad on being late to the party, but let's just make you have perfect lower half mechanics now, you know? So...
1: It's a good oh.
2: duo. Like John told me before you got on, y'all just
1: kind of flow together. So it makes sense that these things would just kind of coincide, like two cogs geared just running side by side cleanly. So, not
2: that's huge. I'm and and I'm just asking. So like, feel free to to be devil's advocate for any of this stuff because I'm just trying to figure out what what yes, you think, think, think and I what you've been you. working on. Can you guys hear me? On. Yeah. Okay. John. Can you hear us? Yeah. I don't think I can hear you. Yeah, yeah did that's it. what it was. You got me. No. it get him.
0: Okay. Just jump out. Yeah. Jump out and jump back in. Yeah.
2: Okay. We got to, we got to get more. He, I know he's, he's got so much. I want to, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say things that he doesn't know or, you know what I mean? I, I'm just trying to, I'm digging. Cause those are, I, those are things for sure. I curious. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I know he's a Dave Coggins guy and he's got the, we, we can go into pitch logic too. Cause he, he has one. So.
2: Okay. Yeah. I want to, I want to get more on what's going on with the pirates and
0: yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Good. Can you hear us? Okay, Sorry guys. See. Yeah. It's
1: okay. I can't, I didn't I know, know how to turn airplane mode off and still be able to
2: talk. I, I tried to do it on mine and ah, whatever life happens.
0: Anyway, but no. Go ahead, yeah. Gus.
2: Well, we were just tr- saying as we were waiting, I, we just I want to get you talking. What what's getting you jacked up? What what else do you want to do you want to dive into? What do the people need to know that? Well, yeah.
1: well, I I think that like I, I was talking with John, just I think baseball's moving in the right direction as far as development goes. Now, you're seeing all this stuff like with in the professional side, the minor league teams all getting cut. Like we're losing a ton of players, teams are releasing a ton of guys, which under other circumstances probably wouldn't be as many. Um, And certainly now with the lack of lower level teams and maybe organizations moving towards like extended development periods, I think it's a benefit. Um, Now I feel for the guys that, just got axed and now like crap like what do I do like that this is I didn't even get a chance some of them probably hadn't even been to spring training yet and so that that part is insanely tough and I can't comprehend it um, but in the development side I think it's going to prove if teams are willing to take it serious um, a better opportunity to take our draft guys and not use the old adage of well we pay them a bunch of money to do that we're going to let them do it like yeah, well, what if he only does it for three years and we could have avoided it and he'd have played for 15? Like, that doesn't make any sense. We gave him $2 million. Let's actually sit him down, develop their player profile, find where they're inefficient and efficient movement, get them correct, and then they're going to just climb faster. We don't have to have these hiccups at AA or hiccup at IA or surgery here, surgery there, um, and then think about changing something. Uh, so we've we've done a little case study recently with the guys in florida that got stuck we had some venezuelan players that couldn't get back home uh, during the COVID thing, so they've been at the facility and they're getting really like hands-on one-on-one uh implementation of their profiles what we had identified as movement problems um and those guys are making insane jumps like every six week period we retest them it's like holy cow like this this is what it ought to be but yet, if you don't have a facility where you can trust the guys to go back to in the off season, we're allowing their best period of development to be in the hands of someone we don't know. Um, which is tough because a lot of places, they don't take like our stuff serious or maybe they think we're off on one thing, so they'll still program it the way they want. And then the kid comes back, we're like, hey, we asked you like, to gain more active range of motion within your hips and you have less. But you got stronger, but it doesn't matter because you're not as mobile even as you were prior. Um, so that's one of the routes I think I see a lot of this going, uh, being able to take new draft guys, not shove them into a short season team, a low A team, and actually bring them to our facilities and have extended periods with them, building a foundation that then they can go out the next spring into a full season and compete and stay healthy and execute the way we want them to. Um, so that's that's one of the big things that I see slowly changing. Um, And we've, we've taken a few, like I said, the case studies here, and then we've got some where guys have gone back home and, and we've got these really high draft picks over the last few years and they've lost like anywhere from eight to 12 miles an hour. And we paid these guys a ton of money and I'm now on this side. So I, I kind of sound like the bad guy of like, Hey, I want overlord of like your development. You need to be here all the time. But, You give these guys all this money, and then we, like I said, you let them go back home, and who the heck knows what they're getting told? But that's also under the, like, assumption that our development staff knows what we're doing. Um, And that's been our big hurdle is getting the players to understand that their best development will be done with us. That's what we want. Ideally, that's what we want. And as a player, I didn't think that. I thought spring training was to get ready for season and instructs was just a ton of extra reps when I'm already exhausted and I can't wait to get to the off season so I can recover and get better. And it's like, yeah, but the team ought to be like the prime development of this. And so, yeah, that's, that's one of the major things on the front of all this. Um, The pirates have always had a, a ground up approach and I remember that from playing here where, hey, if we can just get your legs more dynamic, the arm's going to clean itself up. You'll get more power. Not necessarily now. Um, And they were super open this spring and allowing me to kind of come in and watch guys throw, take notes, and like, hey, I think, I can't guarantee, but I think there's something wrong here and it needs to be addressed before something major happens. Or I got a few rehab guys, a shoulder capsule guy, um, a couple elbow guys where I did some of their prep uh patterning prior to oh. getting to throw after surgery and we noticed those guys like would pick up a ball and all of a sudden it was so much faster through their recovery because we fixed what they were doing instead of waiting for them to build all the way back up and they're like maybe we should try to do this and it's like man, you just you missed the best time so um you mean crow hopping at 45
0: feet is not yeah. good <laughs> Like it says oh, in your yeah. rehab protocol. Oh, my gosh. Which I still haven't figured out a baseball player that can do that safely.
2: <laughs> no, so,
0: listen, yeah, to this. I no. talked to
2: Weston on Monday. My buddy Weston Germain, Mill City Throwing on Instagram. He's doing this modus sleeve uh, study. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen him doing it. But um, he's just – this on Monday, he's like, bro, the ASMI protocol is so bad. And so the fact that that's 12 weeks in, like, and it's so obnoxious, bad. Do you know what I mean? And the, He's going to have the data yeah. behind it. He's been spending like six to eight hours a day on this, like for like three months. Golly. So anyway. Well, hopefully somebody listens. Uh, he's, he. it's, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, if it's him. a miracle, it's going to be
1: hard to deny it, but you have to open your eyes still to it.
2: Yeah, he is. He's um, doing a, he's doing his due diligence. Yes. So
1: that's cool. No, and, that, and so that's that's kind of just the, the movement stuff. We, we've got a few of the Franz Bosch guys that are contract workers for us. So Bart uh, and Martijn, Martijn Nijhoff and Bart Hangraff, they're both Netherland guys. They're hilarious, but they understand, like, movement performance. And so they're getting a little more of a platform, and we're doing more of, like, a, a player-centered approach as opposed to in the last kind of development is you take the ideas of the top and you just push them down and the player accepts it and especially man as a minor leader you come into a system and you've got a pitching coach telling you one thing you have a strength staff telling you another thing you have a PT telling you another thing who are you going to listen to because who actually really dictates where you go is that pitching coach well what if a pitching dad. coach is actually not giving you good yeah not giving you yeah, your dad that's it there's so many dads walking around now but uh, they may not be giving you good information, but you're going to listen to them because there's that, um, that influence that they have. And so now to see us all being on the same page, I mean, there's a PT and an analytics guy. And we all got together and basically did a presentation on this one cat that came into our system at 94, 96, a Colombian, redheaded Colombian. I thought he was American-Irish first time I met him and he spoke Spanish to <laughs> me. It was like the craziest thing in the world. He's six, seven, big dude. Um, and they got him like straight up and he was like coming straight over the top and he was cutting everything. And his it just, it was, he had lost six, seven miles an hour too, since we first signed him. And just this spring, we're like, Hey, these are the orders we need to fix this stuff. Let's see if we can do it in the first six weeks. Now he's back to 93. He's telling us like, man, I don't feel like I'm as strong though with my upper body. Like I'm trying as hard. We're like, yeah, that's, that's the whole point. The arm doesn't throw the ball. It just kind of catches energy and projects it forward. Like you've gotten used to that strong feeling of I'm gonna yank this thing to create velocity that now that you're not doing it, it seems almost wrong. And so um yeah, that's that's a really cool deal to watch that happen now. I'll see him shortly in a little bit, but uh yeah, it's just that kind of stuff is encouraging.
0: So it's so funny that you say that because I have a uh, my professional experience and really where my eyes were opened was playing in Mexico for six years and I saw five different guys throw a hundred and from three different countries like completely blew me away, right? <laughs> Venezuela, Venezuelan, Dominican, uh, Mexican guy, right? And, and they all threw differently, but they all moved incredibly fast and had incredibly fast hands, right? Um, and that was one of the things that I had noticed. And I was like, "Good night." These guys' hands move so fast uh, when they're throwing. Um, you talked about, you know, changing guys going over the top and and immediately, you know, discomfort, everything from there. Um, why do you think that the Latin culture, uh, from your experience, knows how to throw hard earlier than we do?
1: I lack of information. Honestly, whether it's good information or bad, I think there's a lack of information. It's just you go throw and they watch this cycle of other guys before them. Um, one of the big things that I was taught this spring from one of our mental skills coaches, uh, he had a, something in motor learning, but he was telling me about this thing called a reinvestment theory. And so what happens in that is you, you get into a pressure situation, let's say bases loaded three 2 bottom of the ninth, like, or top of the ninth, like you we can't walk the guy in. Well, we know we can't walk him in. So I have to throw a strike. Well, now I'm taking all the information about how I have to move to throw a strike. And I'm shooting that into the sequence, which disrupts the whole natural process of like, Hey, your mechanics are on time. Lift, go. Timing produces the good result we want. And so that theory, the more information we have necessarily doesn't like benefit us. It can also cause us to choke and tighten up in those situations where there's more pressure because we know everything about how it should work. So we start relying on the knowledge rather than the fact that we've done it thousands of times. And so I think that's where maybe the Latin culture benefits at a higher degree. And these guys throw so hard when they're 15, 14, that no one's there really telling them like, Hey, you have to stay closed here and keep the glove side, whatever it may be. Like, it's like, nah, pick up the rock and you're, you're trying to throw it through a wall or through your partner. Like, I mean, they don't care catching each other either. Like they do their flat grounds with each other. I wouldn't squat for one of them. I mean, it's full speed, 45 feet away and they're just like, Hot! throw it back. It's like, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think some of that has to do with information, like just a, a lack of it. And so they're more or less learning to move a lot more naturally um, than we do rather than like the eight year old that immediately starts getting lessons. And we start teaching these static positions because we see, like you guys said, a photo of a guy throwing in that position. It's like, oh, well, we have to get there. Like, well, but how did he get there? When did he get there? Like, it's not enough just to take that and teach on it. So I think that's where they benefit. Um, and it's a do or die culture really it is like, you can change your family's life for generations getting an opportunity to play here. And so there's also that underlying fire that a lot of us stateside just lack, um, honestly. And, and I had a side note, I had a pitching coordinator in my first year. He, he told me that he didn't think I would ever play in the big leagues. And I asked him why, other than the fact that I've red tinted hair. He was like, you come from a family that's still together. Like you never really had hardship. And it, I didn't comprehend what he was ending at the time, but he brought this statistic at one point. There was like 73% of the guys in the big leagues came from broken homes. Wow. And he's like, Vic, they know how to battle because they know someone may not be there for them. So they have to do it themselves. And so I, I correlate that a lot with even the Latin culture of like, Hey, this situation that my family's in is tough. And I had an opportunity to get out of here and change this. I will do what, Ever it takes so Gosh. that's just kind well, of well I, I will say the one there. thing that you said
2: because <laughs> well because it's like you have the opportunity to change your family's life for generations yeah that that doesn't matter where you're from and nope. maybe maybe some privileged <laughs> families <laughs> that stay together <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah well it doesn't it's have good. to yeah it doesn't have to change the generations but but I think there's some no, truth to it because obvious. you do get hardened. Yeah.
0: I, well, also, I mean, of no, course. I'm totally agreeing. I talk totally about agreeing. the distractions a lot that, that down there, when I played in mm-hmm. the minor leagues down there, those guys just didn't have nearly the, you know, that's just what they did. Like wake up. That's all Every they did. Day. Um, the Each thing sleep, that, breathe it. The one thing, the biggest difference that I noticed besides, you know, the hands and some of the other stuff was, was in the younger guys is that, uh, especially with the, the Venezuelans and the Dominicans, as they did this thing. And it's such a fun phrase because everybody interprets it differently. And I know you will, too. So first thing I'll ask you to that is who's the like in think Latin with me real quick. Who's the most impressive Latin thrower that you've seen in person, like up close in the pen? First guy off the top of your head.
1: Oh, man, uh, probably Familia okay. at the time
0: when I was in New York. That's that's who I thought. It was so wild. Exactly. Right. So they do a thing that I think is entirely taught and help me out, because like I said, I'm going to say the phrase, you'll know what it is. Right. Konyo um, finish. OK. And <laughs> I see, I know it happens every time because everybody who's seen it knows what it is. Right. I honestly think it's a way of balancing with your body as you go through release to allow you to produce more force longer, because if that leg counterbalances you as it comes around, when you go past your body with your throwing arm, it just naturally happens Mm -hmm. where the torso kind of brings the leg around and it's not on purpose. It's not the bucket drill. It's not, we do it all the time. Um, I, one of my favorite things to do at the gym is like uh, replicate Pedro Martinez's uh, motion. You know, because he's got like this like weird sidekick thing that comes around when he's doing it. But it's a counterbalance. That's that's the way I see it. So is it something that that you're familiar with that you've you've seen? Have you seen benefits from it? Do you try to use it? You know, do you like the phrase, you know?
1: I yeah. So um, I know exactly what you mean, because I've seen a thousand guys do it. And we've actually had coaches like to an American be like, hey, we want you to just finish like this. Like, go for it. They're like, wait a minute, what? And so, to me, that yeah, that recoil or whatever it may be is like an unwinding of the energy, like, that's part of the deceleration process. I don't know why we would try to hinder our braking system when we need it. So, I what was it? Uh, and and Eugene bleaker up at 108, some of the stuff, yeah, right, you that's know, I'm hearing her there on but he talks about like the recoil and seeing guys like velocities actually jump when he tells them to do it. So that there's something that happens within the body's like sequence at that point. That's like, I like this more. Maybe it's a freedom of mind that I'm not having to control my finish. So then decelerating prior to actually throwing and they can just be more free like they would in like a run and gun or a curl off from the outfield. Um, I mean, if you've ever had, it'd be interesting to see a pitcher like do a forward roll off the mound. Like you see some outfielders like fly forward on their chest. Like there's oh energy that needs gosh. to be released.
2: Okay. I'm gonna, uh, you just, you just broke the internet in my brain. Okay. <laughs> so the forward roll thing. So we, we weren't, we were going to talk about Weck. So David mm-hmm. Weck created the BOSU ball. He's in, he's in uh, San Diego. Okay. Goofy guy. Pat him on the podcast, but he like his he's eccentric enough to like say things in ways that you'd never hear him say that said this way. Right. And so he talks about like these verticalization of movement. The verticalization of movement. Essentially, like he's a balance freak. And so if you try to take your if you just stand on top of your foot, you look over your foot, right? Your head is on top of your foot, you can actually take your nose to your foot pretty easily. It's not that hard right? So that's a verticalized mm-hmm. position. I don't care how well you're mobile. Okay. Like, I'm not saying keep your heel on the ground. I'm saying literally go straight to the ground. Most people can do it. Um, so that role is where he talks about it happening in the throw. Um, so we were actually supposed to meet with him on Wednesday and like dig into this, but I lost my phone and ruined my life for a day. Um, so I'll, we'll, we'll get back to you on the idea, but that's the idea is that the roll is one of the most like fundamental moves everybody knows how to roll maybe you haven't trained it but if you got on mats that were soft enough like i wrestled back in the day i've rolled a million times right you know so everybody has the ability to roll and it might be some something that we don't do enough of just like stay healthy move roll um so anyway it's crazy that you said that because it's roll onto the front foot, like roll down into the front foot as hard as you can.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, there's a reason those guys, well, what was it? Mookie Betts throws like one oh something from the outfield. And I know they're getting like energy coming through the ball, but sequencing still has to be good. And to decelerate that, like you've got to be strong and things have to work on time. And so, yeah, I, to me, it's like, that's how I taught myself to pitch was, how do I throw from the outfield? Well, I'm going to try to do that off the mound. And it turned into like a toe jump, pull hard type deal. Cause I couldn't quite create the curl hop, <laughs> mm-hmm. but there's so much of those similar movements watching those guys. And yeah, I, that's an interesting thought. Cause you know, everyone tries to teach, like we want the hips to rotate. Well, why isn't it more like this one's open and it goes onto it. Like, but so it closes the act around. of throwing
2: closes the joint. That's rotation. Like, I don't know, man. I gotta I gotta figure out a way to make yeah. it more simple because right now it's it's just like a beautiful, simple il- illustration in my head, um, and it's not being yeah. received as simple as it is in my head, which is fine. But it just tells you where I'm at with it. Yeah, I like so. that you said that no, too.
0: When I was rehabbing back after my broken elbow, a lot of the pitching, I went to like three different pitching coaches from the beginning. I wanted to fix the issue before I got my arm strength up because I I just felt like that was the right way to go about it. And the first thing they had me do was towel drill and be like, thumb to thigh, fingers to sky. Right. And I would, I distinctly remember. Going to the video, and maybe you you know this video too, but I remember Vlad Guerrero getting a ricochet off the wall and throwing a guy out at third base, and he caught it. He turned and he went to what we call the gun now, which is you know hand somewhere a little bit the shoulder up um, with the glove side, and then the hand yeah. relaxed down. Yeah, he's seen it. He knows. You can distinctly see him get there and then come all the way through. And then my favorite part about that of that throw is like, he's basically stationary, but he has this small shuffle and he sticks the front landing on the leg and then completely Konyo's finish And then, you know, hits the spot. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, if I stop this right here and then just hit play, he's pitching. That's a pitch. Yeah. Right. And and so like throwing is pitching, pitching is throwing. That's the way we look at it. And it sounds like, you know, you're into Amen. that side too. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're just throwing yeah. a ball. We tell everybody all the time, like, Dude, just is. throw well, it. Right and
1: there. What do you guys think about like even some of the stride length stuff? So, like, I go back to Amarillo and I'll listen to a local coach, like, "Hey, we want to get way down the mound." Like, but what in the world does that mean? So, you end up getting these kids like throwing their glove to pull themselves down the mound because they don't have the power to actually generate it out of their backside. Um, but you look at like. What you're talking about with vlad or tati's junior in the hole the dude strides like maybe three feet he's not taking a a shuffle step through the balls up out and he's throwing 94. like you put that on the mound and you just delay the sequence a hair longer because of the slope because the foot's going to land a little later like and that's where like the introduction when i get new kids is hey Just because we're on the mound and we have more time doesn't mean we start adding extra movements to take up that time because that's stuff you're going to have to like compensate for to overcome down the chain and so yeah a lot of our stuff and one thing i really love because i do a lot of pre-position stuff especially because the kids a lot of the ones i get are real like long and they'll turn the ball up before it starts coming up and so it's almost like a catapult type throw Um, and i think that's taught when they're young because they can't hold a baseball so they teach themselves to pie throw because they hold it like this, they drop it. Um, so we whiffle balls and tennis ball throws a lot with some of my younger ones. Four finger, yes, or three finger until you're 13. Like I just won't let them do it. I'm like, there ain't no Cass, way. you ready?
0: You ready to do it? Go ahead and help him because the thumb is no. Keep going. keep
1: going, keep going. We'll we'll tell him later. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. So so those preset positions of like these really good athletes get into before they begin to go forward. Well, we'll get on the mound. And we'll start like a foot in front of the rubber and we'll step back into our load, staying in that preset position. And they're learning that like, they don't have to do a ton of work to get ready to throw. Like you can mimic the whole concept of like, this happens to pro ball. Well, we'll get him out at short, hit him some ground balls. It'll clean up. Well, but he doesn't understand the concept of what we're trying to get out of him being at short to clean up his arm. He's still throwing the same way. And so this is giving more light to why that concept works sometimes, but it could work all the time, in my opinion. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's just a really it's an interesting. I'm thing with because you. are just with you've it. got more time. For sure, that's it. Yeah. What so do you got on the thumb? I, I was I'm interested to hear yeah, what yeah. you're going
2: to say about that. Go ahead. Okay, so first thing you said: young kids not have uh, the baseball so big to them. I have been so before COVID. Um, I was talking to the president of Diamond, Craig, um, who I met at ABCA, because I'm like, we need to make small balls cool. baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, there's such a huge market for it. I'll make them cool, I promise. Like, (laughs) we need kids to throw smaller balls. Um, So that's one thing. Football does it.
0: Yeah. Dude, every hockey, hat Yeah. Get this this Volleyball.
2: Oh, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. Um, Hockey has smaller rinks up in Canada for the kids. Like, because the the analogy is like, if you as an adult went on a hockey rink at the same scale, it's like a 450-yard rink. And it's like, no, you go get the puck. I don't want to go get it. Why are we playing again? Right? like. And that's that's what it's like watching a little kid, you know, like a five-year-old play hockey. It's like, oh, my gosh. So, um, okay, so the fingers thing. So this is back to a Weck thing. So basically what David Weck is, in my opinion, is he's just trying to introduce Eastern medicine into Western, like, things without calling it that. And, you know, it's just a rebranding of this and rebranding of that. So I recognize that, you know, I need to assume that people are biased and assume that there's other ways to think about it and yada, yada, yada but um, I do believe he's at least in the right neighborhood and he's probably exactly right for all I know about just like how the bones want to line up. Okay. And so if, if you snap and then drag that down, that's going to be where your middle finger wants to go. This is your strongest position, right? And so that's going to be how you build the strongest fist as you go from that position. Okay. I don't know this, but, I'm just believing this. But the point is, is this is all I care about because that's yeah. actually what matters. Right. So this is always going to be here. Okay. And then this is always going to reach in the direction of the pad of the pinky. Okay. And so if you tell somebody, if you tell a kid to make a peace sign, what are they doing? If you tell them to make a three, they're doing the same thing 4 they're do- like, mm-hmm. we're doing it for all of them. So we're snapping to these, these things, right? That's boom. How did I load it? I went here, right? This is, this isn't, I just need to start saying it. Like I'm, I'm just telling you because this is clearly how our body wants to work. And that's why I feel confident yep. in it. Right. And then you watch a big leaguers and like everybody's grip is thumb deeply under the ball. And then you see the am- most oh, amateurs and yeah. their thumbs are here. So then last thing is that when my thumbs out here, this actually turns on my forearm flexors here where if I go thumb here, I'm turning on my extensors. Um, And this is actually an interesting thing. So, cause you'll go like this, like if you really try to reach, you'll actually pull the hand up to reach the thumb harder because that's how you reach farther with it. So then you're turning on the extensors on the back side. Now, this is me just thinking out loud here because I haven't, I've just heard rumblings of this being so important. The extensors having a bigger role in what the arm can and cannot do, then we're giving it credit for. And I messed up my wrist like three summers ago, and it's like, man, I, I'm I messed up my right ankle and my right wrist in like within a summer. And the fact that those, th- of course, those things are impacting what I'm able to do, right? Of course, that's going to mm-hmm. have an impact. I I can visibly see I have like, you know, five to fifteen degrees different range of motion between my hands, like. So anyway um, yeah. that, that's the, the long and short of it is kids you, you just show them these and then put a ball in their hand and that's actually how they should be holding the ball and so most little kids that throw a three finger uh, fastball should be somewhat connected with this and then you just reach mm-hmm. past it you know to whatever degree you, you know how to hold a baseball but that I really like the the numbers to show them how they yeah. if you're, if your hand does not feel like those numbers, your grip is not close. Well, and that, that makes, this is another thing where
1: I, that makes sense. Why I say this, I, I have a better explanation now. Thanks to you guys, please. This, this is far simpler oh. for a kid to understand, but yeah, I get kids come in and they throw like bullet spin, like gyro sliders at me all the time. Well, I look at their hands, their thumbs on the side of the ball. And to me, when we're throwing against something, we want pressure. And if we don't have the thumb underneath, this is how I explain it. There's no pressure to actually throw against the thumb. So they're going to find it against their ring finger to pull through. And so you see the hand start to lead with the pinky. And so that's that's how I explain it is the pressure. Oh, we want something to throw like against it since we don't have it. But, yeah, I think that the science when, behind what you're telling me
2: makes way more sense as to why it well, does. And, and but I, I love that you said that because the point is is that you can actually, I, it feels like I'm kind of squishing the ball in between my bones. Like, I'm not actually mm-hmm. using a lot of my muscles. I'm just, like, I don't have big hands. Like, a bigger dude is going to just, like, kind of be able to set it. But then again, that, now he can just, like, set it there. So younger guy is yeah. going to have to have more, like, relax your hand, but, you know, have a secure mm-hmm. grip. Um, and so, like, I, I have a – I don't know why I never have a baseball in these podcasts. But because <laughs> I'm 5'9", I'm and so – I, I will spread this out. Every breaking ball guy that I've ever seen spreads out their middle finger and their ring finger a ton. And most people do it between their top knuckle and their, their – and I do it with this. So it ends up looking almost like a Vulcan grip. But what happens is because I go – I roll the ball so hard, that spreads the ball this way. So what it does is it, essentially I'm putting the center of the ball on top of my thumb. And so my hand, mm-hmm. my fingers are really, really inside the center of the ball. So I just get so much spin because my fingers are so behind the center of the ball. Um, so anyway, the, I happen to just have this characteristic. Um, and I just, I really exaggerate it for my slider and everything. But um, but underneath is the same fundamental thing that everybody needs to have is leveraging the bones. You don't, you go here, now you have to squeeze mm-hmm. things. I love that your pointer, you're going to go, I, I love that you have to throw up against things and, ugh love it. So much good stuff right there.
1: Yeah, that's wow. Yeah, but like this kind of stuff I I you learn through the trial and error, but to have guys like y'all with a better understanding of the like reasoning why is cool cuz some older kids like want to know like we, do we have some like pictures in our system? We'll go through. I retagged a bunch of pitches in a project from spring cuz we were trying the new uh, Rap Soto camera's, the Insight cameras. And sometimes they got mixed up on the tagging through the software. And we've got guys that will break their hands holding the ball with their whole hand, a couple of Latin guys. And as they go into the load, their fingers start to slip off into the grip they want. And yeah. I can't seem to figure out what in the world, unless someone told them like, Hey, you need to hide what pitch you're throwing. And that's how they figured it was best way to do it. Like, I don't even have the grip till like I start to accelerate, but
2: that has to be what it is.
1: Yeah, but there's some guys. I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen a thumb on the side of the baseball, even with these guys, and their efficiencies like in the seventies. Big league, like, uh, hey, uh, like is that a four team.
2: Mhm.
1: Pro guys, like, yeah, 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 That's yeah, my yeah. four seam
2: Yeah, I but totally like, agree, and and I think it's just like yeah. I, really, I think it's just it's something that. It, it, I'm I'm to the point where I've seen it so much where it's universal. Like, you have – this isn't – I need mm-hmm. to quit. I need to change how I'm thinking about it because it's like everybody should be saying this. The thumb has to go underneath yeah. the ball towards the pinky, no doubt, like because that puts everything off. Like, it's non-negotiable, but we learn. We learn, right? <laughs> now it's yeah. our job to tell people. I got bit. a gnarly callus. I always had a callus on the inside top yes. part of that
1: joint, and I always wondered why. And I was like, man, when I'm throwing the ball, like my thumb gets – Man, it that thing tucks way under there.
2: Yeah, everybody has, and it. and it maybe
1: didn't even start there, but yeah, that, that's yeah, a cool yeah. thought. I'm glad you said something about that.
2: I like that. So small baseballs numbers. Yeah, that's about. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other the small
1: baseball thing seems to be a no brainer.
2: They oh, have like, oh, it. I should stay.
0: They have it down in TJ. I've seen it. I've seen little five and six year old like gangsters like just Well,
2: right. But the fact that I mean mean, America's missing out on it, like I don't I don't
0: I don't know if it's a product for there. I don't I don't know how they do it. I know they use a smaller ball, I've seen it, but no labels are on anything from
2: there. Well, it was just a trend and it was a hitting trend too. That's the problem. It was a hitting trend where we're oh, we're gonna hit a smaller ball. You know, it's like man
0: I thought it was a fielding trend, honestly. When I was growing up, I remember having half size baseballs that were like you had to field it and throw it kind of thing. And it was
2: Dude, that is the, bad programming, bad programming. That's yes. all that was. I've never small seen a small town, baseball. So small I guess I was, oh, really? Man. We had there's full the, buckets. So did we, John. That's what I'm no. saying. We had the small baseballs in high school too.
1: No, I've never seen one. I've just always thought like, this is just to make any sense having them try to pie throw it at six and seven. Like there's gotta be a better way to do
2: this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I man. agree. Okay. Um, John, are we going to wrap this up? Yeah,
0: I think it's good. We've been on an hour and 15. I don't want to eat up too much more of Vic's um, time, conversation, time. um, um, I'm sure, I'm sure we have plenty more to talk about. At least we can go back, you know, and see how things are and, and, and come back into it. Um, Vic, I really appreciate your, your point of view. Um, and, and your, you know, the pitching doc, your, your page and what you've been contributing to the baseball community is massively important. Um, especially a non-affiliated guy like myself, it's extremely oh. important that guys, you know express their 98 mile an hour feeling. I know you got a phone call there, Vic, but uh, yeah. <clears throat> what I was saying was it's just important for your point of view because you yeah. threw hard, you got hurt, you came back, and that story and is just so valuable. So you know, all the kids that are out in Amarillo, reach out to this guy, you know, and, and find out how you can work with him because, you know, it, it's, he's putting out some really, really good stuff. We, we love what you're putting out. And, you know, Cass and I have been getting this list of, together of people to uh, get on the podcast. And you were definitely, you know, one of the first ones. I was like, we got to get this guy over here. Cause I remember seeing you throw and now you're on Instagram doing this thing. I'm like, All right, we gotta, we gotta talk because, you know, I think one of the best conversations that I had with, Um, Sergio Romo, when I was playing down in in Mexico, was like, I just asked him straight up. I'm like, dude, what is going on in the big leagues? Like, how does it work? You know, and he was just like, you just got to go out and strike people out. That's how he was. You know, and I was like, okay, I guess that's all you got to do. You know, (laughs) so but I appreciate you taking the time on here. Why don't you uh, just let everybody know one more time, plug yourself and and where you're at and, and how everybody can follow you.
1: Oh, crap. I just lost you guys. I'm so sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Keep going if you can hear me. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. Man, I really do appreciate it. And side note, Cass has been super gracious to me. Our initial introduction was under not the greatest of situations. Uh, That was me taking a big learning step in how to relate to other people within this industry, if there is a difference of opinion. So to see it kind of come full circle, I really appreciate you guys. Um, I'm excited about where baseball's going. You guys are a major player in it, especially in one of the biggest populated states and great area for baseball. And so I think that kids are lucky to get a chance to spend time around minds like y'all. And if if anyone in Texas is ever in Southern Cal, it's definitely you guys. And then if they make it up to LA, PFA, that I'm like, hey, you gotta go spend a couple days with these folks. Like you're going to get something that will change your career. So in saying that, guys, I really do appreciate
0: it.
2: Thank you very much for Thanks, coming. man. I
0: appreciate it, definitely. Uh, guys, don't forget to go follow Vic. Uh, pitching, what is it? Pitching? No, doctor? it's ArmDoc. ArmDoc. Arm doc. I don't know
2: why I kept saying pitching. ArmDoc. Thanks again. He's like pitching nerd. I keep on bringing yeah, up the pitching, pitching nerd. Name. So no, it's Vic exactly. Black, arm Doc on Instagram. It's with the Pirates. Apparently just hired himself. And, uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Great move. You just hired yourself with the Pirates, Vic. Outstanding yeah. move, for sure.
2: I think he lost our audio. So yeah, anyway, definitely. So. Let's, let's cut it off.
0: All right, appreciate it. Thank you. And Thank you guys. We are